0: That didn't take long. We get our first upset of the Michigan High School basketball. Postseason March Madness in full swing here in the Upper Peninsula. It's a sports pen on ESPN. UP Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along this Tuesday afternoon. Lot to get to today. We recap opening night of the girls basketball postseason. Plus, a former Houston Astros pitcher says he's willing to give back his World Series ring. Don't give him too much credit just yet, though. We'll recap that. Plus, Bucks and Heat, and what we learned last night about those two teams. I've got some Northern Michigan. Audio for you, and we'll have a guest here in studio in a couple of minutes, and we'll be talking about soccer. Here in the Upper Peninsula. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour. It's gonna be a fun show. Glad to have you along here in ESPN UP. But where I want to start is with the high school girls' basketball playoffs. Last night we had postseason action here in ESPN UP. Westwood never trailed en route to their third victory of the year over Ishpaming 5231. We got an update midway through that game that Mid-Peninsula who was the top seed in their district, fell to Munising 5147. I said to Jared Kosky, who was on the call with me. All right, well, we get a little bit of March Madness here early on. No, the real upset, the real story of the night that dominated the UP as far as high school girls basketball goes, that came later on that evening. And that came at the final buzzer of the Gladstone Menominee contest, where a 7-13 and Gladstone team that lost handily to 20-0 Menominee twice beat them at the buzzer. In the postseason, in the first round of the postseason, 46-45, Gladstone goes to Menominee no less, and they shock a team that that previous morning had been predicted by the Detroit Free Press to finish as state runner-ups. Menominee was ranked third in Division Two, undefeated at 20-0. They had only two games all season where a team played them to single digits. Westwood, back in December, played them to 52-47. And then Marquette, last month, played them to 49-40. Otherwise, Menominee had won handily in every game. Their two regular season meetings with Gladstone, 66-37 and 50-30 were the final scores in those victories. And yet it didn't matter. Gladstone went on the road, a 7-13 squad, and they shocked the UP, they shocked Menominee on their home floor. And I said yesterday, there's so much parody up here. There's not where I come from. There's not a lot of that parody in Iowa. You can pretty much pencil in who's going down to Des Moines for the state finals, the semis, the quarterfinals, what have you. You pretty much know what's going to happen. I think it's that way in a lot of places. It's not that way up here. And I love that. Being in sports media, that's one of my favorite things about being up here and doing what I do. You have the parody, the competitive atmosphere at high school sports. Nowhere else plays for JV conference championships. I love that. I personally love that. I love being a part of it, being able to cover that. And I love how it transpires into what we saw last night. Now I feel for Menominee. I'm not taking pleasure in their sorrow, taking pleasure in their pain, anything like that. But I love the parody, how any given night you gotta bring it. Nothing is given. Everything is earned, and you think about that district, that regional, even the whole Division II field statewide, it is so wide open because of what Gladstone did last night as they pick up an upset victory over Menominee 46-45. March Madness is here, and we're here for it here in ESPNUP. Don't forget, tomorrow night we've got a district semifinal as Westwood welcomes Bark River Harris. We'll have the pregame getting going about 6.45 with tip-off set for 7. It's my hope that you join us for that one. Let's move on to last night's Bucks heat matchup, where Milwaukee coming into that game had about a 50-50 shot of at least tying the Golden State Warriors from four years ago for the best regular season record in NBA history. Last night, they picked up their ninth loss, which means Milwaukee is going to have to win all 21 of their remaining regular season games to match Golden State's 73-9 and record from four years ago. Their chances of doing it dropped from 50% to 27, with last night's loss to the Miami Heat, in which they were held to a season-low 89 points. Let's break down this game. Let's break down how Miami was able to do this. First and foremost, let's talk about Miami. Because they're a team that I thought would be a playoff team. When we did our basketball preview show, our NBA predictions starting the season, I had Miami finishing sixth in the Eastern Conference. They got Jimmy Butler. I thought, that moves the needle. They're going to be a playoff team. I still thought there were at least five teams that were better than them in the Eastern Conference alone. You fast forward to early March, and Miami is second place in the conference. They're sitting at 42-18. and 18. They have a half-game lead on the Boston Celtics for second place. No one's going to catch Milwaukee. They've already clinched a playoff spot. But the Heat showed that they are a legitimate threat to Milwaukee in a best-of-seven series. Now, how did they do that? Well, it's not just been the addition of Jimmy Butler that has moved the needle for Miami and that has gotten them to legit... Eastern Conference contention, it has been the emergence of Bam Adebayo. But maybe to the biggest factor, and not maybe, the two biggest factors no one is talking about here were the reasons that the Heat were able to contend with Milwaukee last night. That they were able to hold Giannis to 13 points. And those were the acquisitions of Jay Crowder and of Andre Ingedala. You look at what Miami was able to do last night defensively against Milwaukee. You you guys know I love me some Coach Bud. I am a huge Mike Budenholzer fan. Always have been ever since his 2015 season with Atlanta, I think it was. I think it was 2015. He had an outstanding year coaching the Hawks. I've been a fan of him ever since. But ladies and gentlemen, Coach Bud flat out got out-coached last night. Eric Spolstra coached circles around Coach Bud last night. And he did so with the defensive matchups on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Eric Spolstra was just throwing multiple matchups at Giannis. And there are very few players. That I mean there are very few courts that you can put out there that are gonna feature players more talented than Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Giannis was the most talented player on the floor last night. But I I will die by this. In basketball. You don't have to be a talented player to be a talented defensive player. And that's exactly what happened with Miami last night. Because the guys guarding Giannis for the Heat last night are a bunch of dogs. I mean, they will give flat-out effort. They're not as talented as Giannis. Iggy, Crowder, even Butler, and Bam, I mean, they're not as talented as Giannis is. But they gave the full effort every minute. During last night's win. They were tenacious. And that defensive effort. Bothered Giannis all night. And he never got going. And we've seen nights where maybe Giannis doesn't necessarily get going. Three ball isn't falling. I mean that's kind of typical for Giannis. But usually there's a Chris Middleton. Or there's somebody else there. That's going to step up and carry the load for Milwaukee. There wasn't last night. That tenacious defensive effort is what won the game for Miami. Decidedly. They decidedly won that game. They weren't as talented as Milwaukee, and they aren't talented to go with Milwaukee for a seven-game series, but that tenacious defensive intensity is what will give Miami a chance in a seven-game series against the Milwaukee Bucks Because of the tenacious defensive effort, the pressure of guys like Bam, Iggy, Jay Crowder, who I loved when he was a Boston Celtic. I hated it when he left. I'm a big Jay Crowder fan. And last night was a prime example why. Let's keep moving on here before we get our guest here in the studio. We talk soccer. A former Houston Astros pitcher is willing to give back his World Series rank. Don't be quick to credit him, though. Ken Giles was a closer and a late reliever for the Astros from 2016 to 2018. He's currently with the Toronto Blue Jays. So his time there overlapped the sign-stealing scandal and the Astros' 2017 World Series victory. Now, Giles says he will give back his World Series ring if asked and that he had no idea, he had no inkling that anything was going on regarding sign-stealing or any form of cheating in that clubhouse. First of all, I mean, I guess you're trying to save a little face for yourself, a little bit of your public reputation, your image, what have you. Here's the thing, though. I don't buy that one bit. You had no inkling that happened. Like, you didn't know until Mike Fires made it public just a couple of months ago. You didn't know anything was going on. I don't buy that. That is total bull. And and it's plain to anybody who knows about baseball. Baseball is one of the more tight-knit sports, and anybody who's played that or been around it knows. That baseball locker room, I don't want to say it's cult-like, but it is like a secret society. It is so much of a brotherhood. Secrets are shared there. You're expected to take them to your grave, but you know what's going on. Don't tell me that you were in the bullpen or something like that. You weren't around the general population. Baseball is maybe the most tight-knit sport there is no way you could not have known what was going on within that Astros organization. Absolutely no way. So, Ken Giles, I don't believe that for a minute, that you didn't know what was going on. The other thing, you say you're, going, or you're willing to give back your World Series ring if you're asked. Who's going to ask you? Major League Baseball is not punishing the players. They're not vacating the title. Major League Baseball certainly is not going to ask you to give it back. If you know that it's ill-gotten gain and you say you're willing to give it back, just give it back. Nobody is going to ask you, and nobody in the sense of Major League Baseball is going to ask you to give that ring back. The fans, other players, other organizations in baseball, they've already made it clear what their stance is. They fully believe you should give that ring back. And if they haven't persuaded you enough by now, then there is no amount of persuasion that's going to convince you. You say you're willing to give the ring back, just give it back. I mean, to me, this was no more than a PR stunt on Ken Giles' part. And it was poorly done at that. I'm convinced nobody that was part of the 2017 Houston Astros squad has any sense of PR. Players, front office, management, what have you, nobody. If you're going to give the ring back and you know it was ill-gotten gain, if you're willing to part with that ring... Just do it. Don't make a statement saying, yeah, I'm willing to do it. Just somebody's got to ask me to do it. Just give it back. Don't go through the spectacle. Just give it back if you know what's got in game. With that, let's take our first time out. When we come back, I'll be joined by a guest here in studio, maybe even one in the phone line if we can get a hold of her. We'll be talking a little soccer here in the Upper Peninsula next on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: Welcome back to the Sports pan on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. Joined both in the studio and on the ESPN-UP phone line by members of Superior Land Soccer Association. Across the way from me is Sasha Kostick, and on the phone line is Amy Nemi. Appreciate you both being here. First and foremost, Amy, I'll start with you. Tell me about your organization and some of the benefits that go with it. Well,
2: our organization is obviously about soccer. We... Uh, have our recreational program and in our current uh, 2020 season. We are working on registration.
0: Tell me about the history of Superior Land Soccer.
2: Sure, um, we've been around for uh, a little over 30 years, pushing 40. We are growing the sport of soccer in the Marquette area, growing the level of competition and helping you know to facilitate and post-secondary opportunities for players who are wanting to do that in their lives. Otherwise, uh, it's a great way to just get out and have some fun and uh, get a little exercise.
0: Sasha, what about you? What's your role within Superior Land Soccer?
1: Um, Actually, I'm director of coaching in Superior Land Soccer Association, and um, actually I work as a director of coaching.
0: Tell me about what that goes into What does that mean? What's the job description?
1: (laughs) The job description of the very short um, sentence is going to be, I'm responsible for uh, players' development and coaching development. So, uh, making sure that uh, organization is uh, also uh, up to date with national standards and also providing the better opportunity of planning and programming uh, you know, the, the entire soccer program.
0: Amy, how big is your staff at Superior Land and how many participants, athletes, do you
1: have? Uh, currently,
2: we have close to uh, 250 travel players. And a typical recreational season is about 1,000 to 1,200 players.
0: (laughs) Have you seen pretty consistent growth for the organization?
2: Absolutely. Our program continues to grow year after year.
0: What are some goals that you have for Superior Land going forward?
2: Well, we have some amazing goals set forth. We are wanting to build a complex in the Marquette area with two indoor fields and 11 outdoor fields working on obtaining the land out in uh chocolate township from um the state and prison farming land
0: and what goes into that what goes into trying to get this complex idea off and running
2: first we need to get the state to sign the land over after that we uh have amazing developers and donors that are already on board, willing and ready to help us get that complex built
0: and up and running. Sasha, tell me about you as a coach. If we've got a listener, they decide they want to get their kid involved, what can they expect?
1: Um, sure. Um, I want to make sure that we, we're, we're talking about right now about the recreational program. And uh, in a few words, uh, our new recreational program is a fundamental introduction of the um, sport, actually sport of soccer. And our first responsibility is to create environment uh, of learning. So first responsibility is also to create environment that uh, players, it doesn't matter on their skill, can come, they join us, and and also they're going to learn from our um, innovating curriculums, but also they are not going to learn just about soccer, they're going to learn. about a life, and our responsibility is to provide it as well, um, like improving their social abilities, their psychological abilities, and even their behavior on the field. Uh, keep them in focus, um, working on a respect, on a discipline, hard work, ethical behavior, and uh, many other things. So, the recreational soccer is actually based um for um, every success and we want a, more families and, and more players to join us so i just want to repeat one more time it doesn't matter uh, no matter on their skill for soccer
0: how'd you get involved with superior land soccer
1: um, actually um, it's a little bit long story, but I'll try to That's keep it all right. <laughs> try to keep it short. Um, I really have opportunity to work with the really amazing people, including Amy um, like as president of the club, and then we have Randy Baima involved over there, and we have Pete Roddy as a new interim director and I don't want to you know um, mention anybody because I don't want people get mad on me, but <laughs> there's really amazing group of people they really dedicate their time to make a better opportunity market uh, for growth of soccer, but at the same time for development and increasing the quality of the soccer. That's that's our goal, to increase the quality, because if you consider the geographic location of the U.P. and uh, actually the distance, uh, um, we want to make sure that we are up-to-date with the national standard, standards and then we are going to work very hard to, you know, to provide the best opportunity as we can in this moment.
0: Well, you've mentioned the national standards as far as soccer goes. What defines the national standard?
1: Uh, the national standards define like, uh, for instance, um, appropriate age group classification, um, appropriate, um, you know, the, the relationship uh, during the competition and then uh, we have the referee organization as well. So we have, like, for example, uh, changed a lot of rules in the past couple of months. So we want to make sure that our referee organization is going to be able to follow up and present the new rules to the, uh, you know, to the players. And also, um, the game evolving every single day. So we want to make sure that we are able to catch up with the rest of the world and the rest of the United States. Because um, we have a big picture in mind for the future. And This is the one of the reasons because uh, in the past seven months, a dedicated group of people worked very, very hard to make it happen and, and, and make much better opportunity uh, to improve the soccer in a community, but not just in a community, uh, improve the soccer in general that can influence regionally.
0: Amy, let's say we've got a listener here. They're saying this sounds pretty good. They want to get their kids signed up. How do they go about doing that? Do you have a website, social media, what have you?
2: absolutely uh we've made our recreation program a lot more family friendly this season with a schedule where all of our divisions will be training on a specific night so if you're a u9 player all your u9 friends will be training on the same night and your u9 friends will also be playing their games and doing their warmups on the same night so we've made it a lot more family-friendly You can uh, access Superior Land Soccer Association a couple different ways through our website, www.superiorlandsoccer.com. And we also do have a Facebook page, Superior Land Soccer Association.
0: Are there costs to register, any kind of equipment costs, things like that?
2: There is a cost to register for our U7. It's $80 for the eight weeks. And for U9 through U19, it's $100 for the eight weeks. Equipment is very basic, soccer shorts, soccer socks, and a pair of cleats.
0: Sasha, tell me about the schedule. Is this a year-round program? Is there an off-season? What if there is one? Does it look like? What have you?
1: Yeah, um, we actually, the organization is striving to keep the, uh, the program year-round, but as Amy already mentioned, you know, our first goal is to build a facility because uh, we really don't have uh, too much access to NMU indoor facility that we can follow up during the entire year. And, of course, that's very difficult for us. But, again, uh, we are able to provide opportunity in terms of having the, uh, the gyms during the, the winter and, of course, to design the specific curriculum that at the same time going to provide uh, you know the, the the good opportunities for development. Even we don't uh, work on a, on a, on our full size fields, so we really try to uh, keep it going a- entire year. But we also are flexible for many players. They are you know involved in other sports. Of course, you know you have uh, players they want to be involved in multiple sports. So we absolutely praise that. But at the same time, um, it's very hard to keep you know the teams like. Steady from the June to September, we try to do this, but um, you know, I mean, this is the one of the of the old challenge um, to have the program full uh, program during the year, and I think uh, in the near future um, we're going to succeed because um, if you can compare today and uh, if you compare like last. Before two, two years, for example, the situation is much better because um, we have more commitment and we have more players um, commit to sport of soccer, so we are very, very happy about it
0: you know I 'm fascinated by that classroom aspect. Tell me a little bit more about that
1: um, We use the classroom aspects actually for which uh, we, tr- we try to do this with, uh, with, with a travel with a travel program or competitive program because the classroom is uh, one of the uh, main part of the, 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 the player education so I was always like to talk about a game understanding so. Uh, actually if the player understand the game better they're going to enjoy uh, the game better. It really doesn't matter what level they play but once they start understanding the game better they really have a better enjoyment and their chance for development is better and then they said okay I want to continue work that's the reason because we try to provide opportunity for everybody. Let's say that want to play and come during the summer, we also have a solution for that if if they want to continue to play and um, this is just a one level up uh, and uh, we try to incorporate the classrooms, the small gym space as well as a complete education because like I said before the game evolving uh, pretty much constantly and we would like to be uh, up to date with everything.
0: Has Superior Land felt pretty well supported by the community?
2: Well, we have uh, an abundance of support in our community, whether it be our, um, our link with Northern every summer during our recreational program. We contact the men's club coach and the women's club coach and find out what players of theirs will be staying in Marquette for the summer. And we love to have those types of players helping with our coaching and our education during our recreational program. We have an abundance of our players that continue on from Superior Land Soccer Association and play high school soccer, whether it be the Marquette area or surrounding areas that they continue and are able to play. We have uh, an array of sponsors and hosts, and this year we're making a change to our sponsorship. We, in the past, have had one sponsor per division. And this season, we are offering level sponsors. So if you are a gold or silver or bronze level sponsor, not only will your logo appear on one division shirt, but it will appear on every single shirt. So that opens up your advertising and your sponsorship for about 1,200 jerseys. And while we're on the subject of that, we have changed the way that we're doing our jerseys this year. Instead of having a plethora of jersey colors, we are switching to um, a more national standard of a two-jersey program. Each player will receive two different colored jerseys. This year they'll have one red and one blue. And every sponsor's logo will be on every single one of those jerseys. So there are plenty of people out in the Marquette area that we are thankful for their support and everything that they do for Superior Land Soccer Association to make our organization such a huge
0: success. While we're on the subject of community, and either of you can answer this question, since Northern added a men's soccer program a couple of years ago, have you noticed any kind of spike in interest, anything like that?
2: I think that uh, regardless, I'm sure that it has something to do with the men's club coming in, but we certainly have benefited from that because, uh, like I said, we've added their players and... um, they come and help and train with us and work with our players and join in our training sessions to help our coaches so um, it 's a great relationship that we have
1: I just want to add um, in the end that um, actually just want to make a more clear for audience. Um, this time we do our changes uh, uh, and improvements, and we really don 't want to change the culture of the soccer in a the community. Our first responsibility is to improve the environment um, in in terms of having the players learning on the same terminology, uh, having the players uh, be engaged uh, and learning um, to the specific design curriculums uh, and training sessions and competitive games. That's so important to keep consistency in, in a future development. So that means that um, that kind of improvement can't, um, you know, provide a better opportunity for everybody. Um, so we don't have a responsibility only for a better players or for recreational players. Our responsibility is to provide opportunity for everybody. And, of course, in the end of the day, uh, players are going to make a, their final choice. Are they going to play two months or they are going to play a little bit more? And... Um, just want to point out a couple of things. The main improvement of this year is we're going to have a totally, totally different logistic and totally different approach. So we're going to have a lot of volunteers, but the main and a core of our coaching staff will be coaches that, you know, they're going to go through the education because we want to make sure that they're going to be able to deliver right message um, to the every single age group because also... Uh, in, uh, it's our responsibility to design specific program uh, according to by the age group standards. So that means that um, players are going to be really able to uh, learn fundamental skills, but at the same time, we want a little bit more control environment. Um, when I said a control environment, that means that better organized environment when players going to learn not just about fundamental, they're going to learn about um, a lot of different things and that's going to be very, very beneficial for the families and, and for the players because that's the way how you actually learn the lesson live. Um, even as a recreational program, we really, really want to uh, put program, uh, a program for one or two levels up that we can catch up and then uh, this is a good opportunity um, for us to have a wonderful unique cohabitation in between two programs because we are association that we don't want to split the REC from travel or travel for REC. We want to work together and I'm pretty sure that this is the very unique program in the United States right now because by the organization and by the logistic and by the everything what we invest time and resources and everything i 'm pretty sure that uh, families. Um, is going to be happy this year. And I understand that everybody have a concern in terms of changes, but like I said before, the only um, the reason why we do this is because we believe that we can provide much, much better opportunities than before, and that's going to benefit the community, benefit the families, benefit the soccer in general.
0: Sasha Kostick and Amy Nimi join us from Superior Land Soccer Association. Be sure to check them out. A great resource for anybody, not just interested in soccer, but interested in having a good time, getting some exercise, and being with good people. Appreciate you both talking with me. I'm sure we're going to talk again here going forward. All the best with your organization, and we'll be checking in. Thank you. Let's take a time now. Northern Michigan Tuesday's next on ESPN UP.
1: Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at four on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app.
0: Welcome back, Tanner Hoops, with you Tuesday afternoon. Glad that you're along. Northern Michigan Tuesdays here in ESPN UP. I've got some hockey audio for you. Grant Patone had the chance to talk with him earlier today. But first, your Sports Center update: The UConn women's basketball team tops South Florida in their final American Athletic Conference game, closing their seven-year membership with a conference record of one eighteen and zero. The Lady Huskies are joining the Big East next season. ESPN has once again reached out to Peyton Manning to gauge a former MVP's interest in the vacant Monday Night Football analyst role. i that. Peyton Manning, I'd love him. I'd love him in that role. I hope he gets it. And finally, Pope Francis has tested negative for coronavirus. The Pope agreed to get tested after canceling an appearance at a Lenten service in Rome earlier this week. Glad to hear it. Oh, France. All right. All right. That's what I like to hear. That is your Sports Center update. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're along. Grant Patoni was able to stop by Northern's Presser Room earlier today, and we gauged his thoughts on the final weekend of the regular season, a split with arch rival Tech in their home and home, each winning in the other's house. And now we get set to do it again. Tech will be coming to the very event center this weekend for a best of three first round WCHA series. He was the only coach that was there today. We have Lacrosse out of town both basketball teams are out of town they're both playing tonight in their GLIAC tournament openers so Northern Michigan Tuesdays are a little abbreviated today we've just got hockey for you but we had a good talk with Grant we asked him about a comment that he made that I said I loved here on the show a couple of weeks ago where he said flatly we will be at home in the first round of the tournament well, the team had a few sputters, and it wasn't the prettiest of stretches here, losing six of their last eight. Coach was asked, did you ever feel doubt that maybe we wouldn't be at home?
3: No, I was confident in our guys. Um, that we, were in, we were in a position where it wasn't just blind confidence. Um, you know, we, we went five games, though, getting a point and didn't move. Um, so I, 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 mean, I was pretty sure we could pull it out.
0: Well, if you saw the way that Saturday night's game ended, Nolan Kent with an outstanding save that I loved. He credited to his old baseball playing days for being able to make that save. His instincts kicked in, and that led to the game-winning goal from Darian Craighead. Coach was asked about Nolan's final save in that game.
3: I mean, you've got to trust your players. Um, I couldn't find Puck. I, after he came out, his stick's going back, and I can't find the Puck, and I'm thinking, like, is the Puck... Because it was in their players' feet. And I thought, is the puck on the stick and it's just going to slide in? Um, I I couldn't find the puck. And then, um, you know, you go the other way and get a chance and Darian makes a play.
0: Well, of course, with Tech, there's always that rivalry atmosphere. Coach was asked about his third year now completed with that rivalry.
3: You know, I I, I think there's emotion in college hockey and and there's a little bit of the pageantry of it. Um, I think there's enough heat in this rivalry that I don't think anything else is going to cause any more heat.
0: Saturday night, the Cats skated to a 3-2 win to clinch home ice in the first round of the tournament and avoid the four-game sweep from Michigan Tech this season. Coach was asked about Saturday night's game.
3: You know what? Um, I I thought we played well. Um, After the first period, um, I really challenged the group. and um, I I liked their response. I thought they responded well. Um, you know, I I thought it was the, well, I thought we played pretty good defensively a couple of the other times. Um, you know, I didn't like the penalties we took on that. We, we, you know, we scored two goals and we go up on a five-minute major and all of a sudden within 20 seconds we're killing a four on a three. Um, I did that, you know, obviously is something that, that needs, you know, it's it's just we talk about it all the time. You know, like I've talked to you guys about it a hundred times. Um so that, that was something that I didn't, didn't like. But I thought we blocked every shot we could. I thought we advanced every puck we could. Um, we managed the puck. I thought it was, there's a difference in um, playing free and playing loose. Um, I thought we played hard. Um, I thought we played free with the puck, but we didn't play loose. And, and that's the difference.
0: Overall, Coach gave us his thoughts on the regular season as a whole.
3: Kind of the tale of four halves, you know. You start well, um, then you hit the skid, then you have a, a great run, and then you hit a skid. Um, you know, and it's it's you know. I, I think any coach you just hope for consistency, and you hope that your team can hit whatever your ceiling is of that team. Um, you know, that's the part that I think at times was frustrating. Um, you know, I, I and obviously injuries play that plays a huge part in it, but. Um, you know I thought we were inconsistent you know because you show you can do it and you know when you ask you know the one thing I would say is you can't ask a player to do something he can't do it's just not fair to them but when you've shown the ability to do things and, and win on the road in tough places and in league out of league win at home against top teams um, you know that's where I think that the frustration part of the players and the coaches come in when there's you don't have the consistency you'd like uh, the good thing, and, and even though um, you know, it was the most goals uh, we've ever given up. Eight. Um, I thought we played okay on Friday, um, you know, and, and that sounds funny, but um, you know, there's some mistakes we made, but they are correctable. Um, the effort was good. I thought we played hard. Um, scored four goals, you know. So now that's kind of three games in a row where you play pretty good. So hopefully, we're starting, you know, one of those another runs where you're on the right side of it
0: well we know the cats have struggled on friday nights their winning percentage of splits from friday to saturday it is outstanding to to look at i mean it's not outstanding but it's remarkable when you look at it that the cats just aren't a friday night team coach talked about how important it is to reverse their friday night fortunes this weekend
3: i mean you have to you can't you know you, you start you know, you start playoff series down one nothing, and and just it's such an uphill battle. Um, you know, you have to, you have you have to have a great effort whether you win or lose. You just have to play great and give yourself a chance.
0: Got to give a lot of credit to Nolan Kent, the job he was able to do recovering after giving up eight goals on Friday night. Well, I guess six. Couple were in the empty net uh, situation, and then he was able to bounce back with a really good performance on Saturday to help Northern get the win.
3: It's, yeah, it's, I mean it's really important. Obviously, you want to negate that first one. You know, we, he's got to find a way to negate that first game that he's um, had struggles, and um, you know, and we, we, him, and I had uh, we had a conversation this week about a couple areas that mental areas that I think he can, um, you know, this focus is better on Saturday. Um, he's got to find that focus on Friday, type of deal. Um, but the ability to bounce back and, and do it on the road, and they score first, and um, all those things on Saturday says a lot about
0: him. Coach was asked about if he takes any momentum from Saturday night's win into this weekend.
3: Especially because you're playing the team that, you know, you're going into that. um, If they win that game and they they won all four games and you're playing them in their rink, you know, that's a big time uphill battle. And and hey, like, they've beaten us three out of four times. You know, like, we're, that's great. We have home ice and, um, you know, but they've won both games here. Like, there's no, you know, 3-6 matchup, this is this is a right even Steven, slug him out, um, you know, and if anything, you could say they've won 3 out of 4, so, um, you know, it's just, it's nice, it's at home, That that is the one thing that's nice, and because and, that's a top building to play in.
0: So coaches in kind of the same situation, Northern is as well, they're all in the same situation they were a week ago, they gear up for tech coming to the Barry Event Center this Friday, but of course it's different with this being the playoffs, how is it different though, inside the coach's mind?
3: I, I mean, if anything, it ratchets up more because, you know, you know going into last week, and there's always one more weekend, college, now for everybody in our league and a couple of leagues in college hockey, it's a week-to-week deal, you know, and um, you, the don't have to do a lot of video on them you know you 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 know you know what they are um even before the year because coaches and players really don't change like we don't change very much and i'm sure they're not doing much video on us either um it's more about um trying to get yourself rested and trying to get yourself um in the right frame of mind to to be able to have a, a good effort on friday
0: Coach was asked, do you like playing these back-to-backs like this, or is it going to create an advantage either way?
3: I don't think so. Um, you're familiar with them, but they're familiar with you. you know, so I think it's the, the positives and the negatives for both teams are exactly the same
0: coach talked about the home ice advantage this is a plug get out there to the barry event center friday saturday maybe sunday this week and all you wildcat fans you puckheads, get out there and uh, make it loud because coach spoke to the atmosphere of playing in front of that ruckus crowd at the barry event center
3: yeah you know what like um that's what playoff hockey is about you know and um, if you look at any rivalry in college hockey this is as big as any of them um you know and the passion and the the amount of people care, and um, you know. So you talk about student athlete experience. This is exactly what you're hoping for.
0: One thing that Northern has had consistently throughout the year is resiliency, and that was certainly on display this weekend. And a big reason why Northern will be home this weekend.
3: Hey, you go back to you know early in the year, um, you know BU, Fair State, um, St. Cloud, you know whatever you want to say. We we've we've been a resilient, tough bunch, and. Um, you got to give the guys in the room credit for that. You know that the ability to bounce back. Now, at some point, you kind of run out of those bullets, and, and you you got to play from the lead. But um, you know, we've we've shown that you know we can score, and we've shown that we're not out of any game. So um, you know that you know, Bowling Green. You know, you're down two goals with a minute left, and you win the game in overtime. You know, and um, that's a sign of a tough, mentally tough team.
0: Coach was asked about the locker room. How are they feeling? We know how Coach is feeling. Can he gauge the locker room for us? And he did give us the inside look at how the players are feeling.
3: Even, like I said, even though we lost on Friday and lost big, um, it didn't, it just didn't have that feel. You know, like, um, we've had games that we've won 5-2, and I've sat with you guys and I've been upset, you know, just because I didn't think we played good. I thought we made plays, but I didn't think we played good. Um, Three in a row we played pretty good. So, you know, it should have good confidence
0: finally coach was asked what is the biggest key to your success this weekend
3: defend i said to him before we went on the road um, you know if you go on the road you better bring your team defense and your penalty kill and playoffs it's the exact same you gotta defend like crazy um you gotta block shots like your life depends on it and you gotta be great in the kill and you gotta stay out of the box
0: That's Grant Petoni, Northern Michigan head hockey coach. His team getting set to open up the postseason this weekend at home against Michigan Tech Friday, Saturday, and if necessary, Sunday. Let's take another timeout. We'll finish this thing off. I got some audio for you that probably is going to make you laugh. You tell me which is more cringeworthy next on ESPN-UP.
1: Check out the UP's local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app.
0: If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen Podcast. Check it out at espnup.com or get our free mobile app from the Apple High Store Google Play. Tanner Hoops with you, glad you're along here. Before we call today, I've got some cringeworthy audio for you. Let's decide together which is worse. I'm going to play these two clips of audio here for you in our final few minutes, and I don't have much time to do it or a whole big segment, what have you, because I'm a terrible clock manager. I am what Andy Reid used to be before he won a Super Bowl, and uh, <laughs> we uh, took a little too long maybe with our soccer. And in- I don't know. Either or, uh, I've got audio for you. You tell me which is more cringeworthy. worthy. though, that one of these audio clips is me. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to start with this one, though. Trey Adams is a name a lot of people might not know. Well, he made a name for himself, not the name he wanted this week at the NFL Combine. He is a former Washington Husky offensive lineman, played tackle, for the U of Washington and Chris Peterson, he was part of the 2016 team that made the college football playoff. Sure, they got killed by Bama there, but they were still a pretty good team. He was All Pac-12 that year, and then he was hampered by uh, knee surgery. I think he had a back surgery too. And this past season, he just looked sloppy. And he, he I mean, he's six foot eight, but he he's gained a little bit of weight since that. Uh, and not good weight. Since those surgeries, he's gained maybe a little extra unnecessary weight, and he's had trouble losing it, and he just hasn't been able to get back to that 2016 All-Pac-12 version of him. So he is exhausted, his college football eligibility, so he's on to the draft. And at the Combine this year, he ran a 5.6-second 40-yard dash. He had a 24.5-inch vertical, and he went seven foot eight in the broad jump. All of those were worst among anybody at the NFL combine a five point six second forty yard dash a twenty four and a half inch vertical, and a seven foot eight broad jump it, all in all and this is a direct quote from a pro football weekly reporter. "There is no way to sugarcoat it Adams testing was bad. A direct quote from an anonymous analyst at the combine this week. So Adams wasn't doing himself any favors at the Combine. He's gone from a guy that looked like he had a bright future in professional football to now we're wondering, is he even going to get drafted? And maybe what he did in the Combine could be forgiven. You know, you you shed a little bit of that poundage, that, a little bit of that extra weight, and you get the NFL trainers there to help you do it. Uh, maybe maybe there's a team that will take a chance on you. You could be a project for them. Well, his maturity might be called into question because not only did he perform miserably at the combine, he might have talked his way off a lot of draft boards. This video comes courtesy of TMZ, and I encourage you to watch the video. I mean, I wish I could play it for you here, but after his just terrible combine performance, a reporter asks him, what's something that you would change about yourself If you could, and you can see the wheels churning, if you watch the video, I'll play the audio for you here in a second, but if you watch the video, look it up, Trey Adams, and uh, you'll know it to Google after you hear the audio here, Um, you see the wheels churning, and then he comes up with just a stupid, immature response. Take a listen to what Trey Adams said after his disastrous combine about what he would change about himself if he could change anything yourself, what would it be? Uh, maybe yeah. a second. <laughs> bigger dick. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah, he really did say that. I bleeped out part of it for obvious reasons, uh, but I think you could still get the gist of what he was trying to say. He says if he could change one thing about himself, it would be a bigger um, part of his anatomy uh, one of his members and he thought this would be a good answer for an NFL scout not something that has to do with football nothing related to his combine although maybe this was his plan maybe his plan was to get teams to totally forget his disastrous combine and if that was the case, well, maybe he did a good job at that after all. Either way, just not a good look for this guy, a guy who had a terrible performance. He may not even get drafted now. And you're sending a message to teams that, yeah, I might be a little bit immature. I might have some growing up to do. Uh, teams will take a chance on immature guys, guys that uh, are their own worst enemies from time to time. But they have to be good. That's the thing. They have to be good players for them to do that. Here's the other cringeworthy audio piece I have for you. This is from me. This is from last night's Westwood Patriot broadcast here in ESPN-UP. Now, you might have noticed when I was doing the starting lineups, and I, I bring this up because I was on the call with Jared Kosky last night, broadcast partner for the Westwood Patriot games with me, and Jared called me after the game, and he said, I was wondering, was I going to have to take over there early on in the game? Because he could notice it, because I, I was fighting back a sneeze, and usually, I'm able to do it. you know. I like to be a consummate professional when I'm on air, especially during basketball. It can be a little goofy with radio. Basketball, I'm a, I, I want to try to be a consummate professional uh, when I'm doing uh, broadcasts of some game. So while I was doing the starting lineups last night, I started having a sneeze come on that I could not fight back. I couldn't fight back against it and that's never happened to me before in my broadcast career and I didn't actually sneeze on air although I actually considered doing it and I'm just fighting this and then I had to go back and listen to it because it just sounded hilarious take a listen Running the point Madeline Koski, a 5 6 senior committed to Ferris State 12.7 points a game 2.7 rebounds as well she is the team leader in assist at 4 per contest Joined in the backcourt by Tessa Lee, a five-nine senior committed to Michigan Tech, she uh, she leads the team. Excuse me, with uh, whew, with 13.8 points a game and 6.2 rebounds per contest. Again, those are both team best. <laughs> You can hear it start while I'm reading Maddie's numbers. You can start to hear me. Uh, I'm starting to clench up a little bit. You can hear my throats get a little tighter. My voice is starting to clench up. And then when it gets uh, right after, I think I say uh, that Tessa's committed to Michigan Tech. I think that's where you start getting to the climax of it. Michigan Tech. She uh, she leads the team. Excuse me with uh, whew, with her. <laughs> and i could only imagine how many people heard that live and are thinking is this guy okay what the heck is going on or how many people would have known what was going because jared was sitting right next to me and he didn't know it was a sneeze until our phone call about an hour after the game actually ended uh boy i it's never happened to me before where i'm not able to fight back a sneeze while on air uh, <laughs> i tell you what she, uh, she leads the team, excuse me, with, uh... Whew. Tell you what, I love my job. I really do. We are out of time here on ESPN-UP with Tuesday's episode of the Sports Pen. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. I know I enjoyed bringing it to you. I'm back on tomorrow with John Michael Hoefling of ABC10. It's my hope that you join us for that. Hey, tune in to Local 3 tomorrow night. Yours truly is going to be on with Jake Durant. Talk a little basketball, a little March Madness. Local 3 tomorrow night. For the Sports Zone. Thanks again for tuning in the Sports Pan on ESPN. UPWZAM Ishpeming Marquette.